Welcome to Challenge Accepted, a new podcast series from the CBF which has been developed from the experiences of families in and around Kent. Whilst working with families around the topic of their own well-being, we heard loud and clear that a lot of advice and support around well-being isn't really that helpful. When do I find time for a yoga class? How can I plan time for myself? Who's going to take care of my child? And how do we share time as a family? Ultimately, we found the biggest thing that helped was sharing experiences with other families and finding out what worked for them. So here it is, challenge accepted. Hello, I'm Gemma from the CBF and welcome to the third episode of our podcast series, Challenge Accepted. In the first two episodes, we spoke to Sarah and Sean about their life with their daughter, Joey, and then to Kate about how her daughter Madeline's obsessions impact on them getting out and about together. This time, we'll be talking to Eva. When Eva contacted us, she told us she'd recently given herself permission to take time for herself, and she shared a list of amazing activities that she'd been trying out. So, of course, we needed to talk to her about these interesting activities to hear how they'd helped with her overall well-being. And when I spoke to Eva, it became obvious that she's been on a bit of a well-being journey. So as well as hearing about her performing, her running, her singing, her crafting, we touched on some wider issues that affect families of people with learning disabilities, like society's expectations of mothers, of fathers, of working parents and the perfect summer holiday. It really is an insightful and inspiring chat and I hope you enjoy it. But thank you so much for um, saying that you'll talk to us for our podcast. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing about what you've been up to because it sounds really exciting. But first of all, do you just want to tell us a little bit about you and your family? So um, my name is Eva. I'm in my mid-40s. I work full time. I'm a communications professional. Uh, I'm married and I got two children. Uh, my eldest, whose birthday is actually today, she's 13 now, and she's um, she's a girl, and she's severely autistic, um, learning disabled, and um, she has challenging behaviours, and part of that is because she's non-verbal, so she kind of expresses herself through a range of behaviours. And my youngest just recently turned five. Um, he's a boy and he recently started wow, at school. So you've got your hands full with a 13-year-old and a five-year-old. Um, and what struck us most about your email when you emailed us and said, you know, I'd, I'd like to, to speak to you, um, apart from the massive list of activities um, you've been um, doing, which we'll talk a little bit more about, Um, in a bit um, was that you mentioned kind of giving yourself permission to take time for yourself and I think that's something that a lot of people will be able to sort of identify with you know regardless of whether your child has a a learning disability but especially if if your child has a learning disability Um, so why do you think that lots of um, family carers feel that they have to give themselves permission to take time for themselves? I think it's really difficult, perhaps more for women or mothers, you know, coming from a culture where you kind of brought up to be mindful of your role as part of the family, as the kind of angel of the household that keeps the the circus running and the plates spinning. Mm-hmm. But 
it gets to a point for me it was kind of to do with the age I'm going through the perimenopause where suddenly it was like the flick of a switch and was telling me if you're not making sure that you have some time dedicated for yourself you can't keep functioning like you've been doing until now Mm -hmm. even though it felt unnatural because it was going against the way I had been brought up, the way I had operated and what had been normal for me, you know, in the previous sort of 10 years plus since my daughter's diagnosis, I had maybe before had time for myself out of the house. I'm not joking, a handful of times a year. I want to say two or three times a year, probably not a lot more. I'm not going to count going to supermarket or like, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that kind of activities. But suddenly felt like now if I don't have the hour, at least for myself, it's, it makes it a more difficult day. I have to have the hour every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I guess it's like that notion of putting your gas mask on before you put everyone else's on, isn't it? You know, if if you're not looking after yourself, how can you possibly, you know, look after everybody else? And I think it's really interesting that you bring up like the um you know, the the subject of mothers, you know, and um I'm sure there's lots of dads who, who experience this as well and don't have time to take time for themselves. But I think um, you know, there is a, a certain thing um about about mothers feeling like they should be everything, you know, working, looking after the totally. children and I mean, you know, and all of those things. Totally. I have to disclose that in in my case, my husband is the stay at home mm-hmm. um parent. We decided again when our daughter was about six years old, it just became too hard. Her sleep was too disrupted. He had tried to keep mm. a part-time job, but there was too much and certainly particularly difficult outside um, mm. term time, outside the school term time. So life became easier. We did try to keep it going, but life became maybe not easier, but less difficult by having one of the parents at home. I will say, though, that um, obviously while while the children are at school, he does get that time or some time for himself. Um, And also I've noticed like a lot of like the socialization opportunities for parents and so on are geared to the model that the father works and the mother stays at home. And then the activities take place while the children are at school, which is not convenient or or reflective of the circumstances of people like me because you're trying you're working full time I mean the choice I've had sometimes if I wanted to take part in some of those activities was to take annual leave so I could go and meet other parents but it's not something I can do regularly so it's very difficult and those connections are very important every time I've been in a course or an activity of some sort I come out with connections to some parents that I've kept going some of them you know for many years yeah yeah so so you do you do have some friends who also have um children with learning disabilities and and autism most of them so I would say my friends are into two kind of you know apart from the people at work that I would consider my friends and I talk to every day but my other friends are like people that I know from many years ago and some of them are in Spain and and also 
people whose children are either autistic or learning or learning disabled um, or got some other special needs. And I remember when my daughter was little and we didn't really know the level of severity of her autism for sure yet. And I was keen that I thought that life should be as kind of normal, you know, as possible. I didn't really want us to only mix with families like ours. I wanted to participate, but it just became harder because we can't move our life. You know, her her progression, her development doesn't go at the same speed than other children. So whereas typical 13-year-olds would be interested in boys' mm. makeup, you know, giggly things. My daughter is into lining things up, yeah. sprinkling so granola, kind of eating soil. You can you can do... So it's, it's become easier, I suppose, and more relaxing and more welcoming and fulfilling for us to be with other families like ours, even though maybe we cannot meet that much in person or certainly we cannot meet that, meet that much in person with the children because our children won't tolerate, you know, that sort of activity, at least we as yeah. parents can and, be and knowing touched. someone else who gets it, I imagine, is is really, yeah. really, um, you know, just reassuring and, and, and not as isolating, I guess, as, um, as not knowing anyone else. It's a huge relief. It's a huge relief, and particularly when we're mm-hmm. talking about things like the holidays. Most people I know are excited about holidays, yeah. especially the summer holidays, you know, they may get some challenging times with their children, but most people I know equal, you know, equate a holiday with something relaxing. I've had years where I've actually come out of the holiday. I've then come back to work and I said, right now I can't talk about my holidays. They have been bad and I will tell you about the holidays when I can talk about it. And maybe two weeks later, my stress levels have gone down a little bit. And then I was able to say, this happened. You know, there was this this incident in the street. Somebody was looking at us or she tried to break something at my parents' house. Or, But it wasn't the sort of things that people would associate with a holiday. And I'm afraid holiday has become a tainted word that kind of... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. stressful. Yeah. I think a lot of people will be able to identify with that. You know, um, holidays uh, can be, you know, mean a different different thing because actually you don't have the routine of school and you know all all of that in place do you. And that can be really difficult, a really big challenge for um, you know someone who finds it difficult to understand, you know, the world around them to understand that right now for six weeks you're not going to be at school, you're going to be at home. That's it. That's it. And my daughter's mm. mind is is so rigid that, for example, recently she learned that when I go to give her a shower and I'm undressing her, it occurred. So we got like a, a basket, a wicker basket. On top of that, I put the clean clothes. And recently it started occurring to her that when she takes her clothes off, instead of leaving them on the floor, she has to put them somewhere. But where does she put them? She puts them with the clean clothes. It doesn't occurred to her that you don't mix the clothes that you've been wearing with the clean clothes. Likewise, when we are at the table, I lay the table, 
I leave the room for a moment and I come back and she's got all the forks that were on people's places and she put them together into <laughs> one pile in the middle because it's something that in her mind all the forks belong into a family of forks all oh, together yeah. and I can see why but that's how little kind of deviation she takes from mm. the normal routine and obviously when we get to the school holiday it becomes very hard so at various mm. levels you know arranging the activities it, it becomes another task to do because you get different providers, they got like limited range of activities that they offer. Maybe they offer three days, but they can only give you a space on one day because they got too much demand. Then we got to go through the social workers and now they only, so we don't drive, but they only fund two days of transport. Uh, so she's got to get essentially a taxi with an escort to go to the activity which is mainly in another town most of the time because there isn't enough here. So you go to jump through all these hoops. So by the yeah. time you get to the summer, you're tired from that. You're exhausted from arranging it. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah. No, if you don't do that, it's going to be worse because actually she will go and she will have a good time. She'll probably come back a little bit stressed, but there will be pockets of good time. Yeah. And I also have to be mindful, you know, of, of the rest of the family. So, I go to work because I haven't got enough leave to take every day of a school holiday as leave. My son, my husband has to look after the children um, during the school holidays, but obviously it, it is a little easier for him if on Sundays there's only one of the children because the other one is doing activities. And my son, he whereas when he was two, he was just very happy spending more time at home now he's begun to kind of become interested in socializing with other children, you know, going to the local museum and the library and Lego activities or going to a farm, things that are more challenging and in many cases not, not possible for my daughter. So we got to try and balance everybody's needs as, as best as we can. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, you're 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 juggling the both of them and 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 trying to make sure that they're both happy. So, Eva, you sent me a list of things that you have been doing for yourself. Do you just want to tell us a bit about them? Because I just think some of them are really amazing. Thank you. So it all kind of started was ignited by um, someone reaching out for a project from Keras Oxfordshire and it was a storytelling project. It was a lady called Georgie Steele and um, Georgie got a group of us together in the evenings to do an online session to show us about the principles of good storytelling and then we worked on stories inspired by our lives as Keras. We all came from like different backgrounds and circumstances and we put it together for an event where she also performed her play um, and I'll blow your house down um, at the um, old fire station in Oxford and we did that I think it was around November um, last year there's going to be a kind of um, follow-up hopefully at some time at some time this year my story, I mean, I've been writing all my life as a hobby, so it wasn't new to write a story, but what was, and it wasn't certainly new to write a story inspired by my life and my circumstances. But what was new was that the telling, I've done readings, but the, this wasn't a reading, it was like a kind of post it note, and you had to remember 
what the story was about and tell it from the words. And that felt that was pushing me out of my comfort zone a bit. And it was a good, it was a good thing and a very emotional day. So that was one of the, one of the things I've done. Um, I've been doing daily walks. So in May, um, I actually ended up being the person in my team who walked the most because I'm older than the others. And I kind of wanted to lead by example. And we were all kind of like going for a walk every day or as many as we could fit really recording our steps and then adding them up um, as part of our well-being initiative at work. Then that sort of inspired me because I thought, well, I've never been sporty, but I've been doing all this walk. I, I do like walking. I enjoy it. Maybe I could try couch to 5K. So I did. So I did the couch to 5K. I found again that I couldn't run very fast. And the first day, everything hurt, even parts that I didn't think could hurt. The second day, is like it hurt a bit less. And then it went on. Um, I still felt there was a week where, where kind of the the amount that you were running went up to eight minutes or something. And I thought, this is going to be the week where I'm not going to be able to do it. But I was able to do it. I was able to complete. After completing, I carried on for a few more weeks until kind of it got to the point towards the end of the summer where um, I stopped because of work. But my plan is when we get into the winter, sort of getting an exercise bike or something I can carry on at home. And now I'm still going for a daily walk, whether at lunchtime or in the evening with a torch because it's quite dark. Um, something else that I'm kind of was supposed to happen last night but didn't happen for circumstances is that I thought it would be interesting if I sang, but I've never sang before. But one of my friends from the storytelling group said, I sing and I play the guitar. I said, "Let's do it." So, um, we, so we started. Um, so we started researching, and we are hoping that next month we can go um, to one of those um, open mic nights and sing a few songs. And again, I sort of decided to take the pressure out of that by saying, "Okay, I, I'm not doing this to get a record contract. This is not going to be, you know, right or wrong. Nobody's going to be shocked. It's just for a bit of fun." Um, so I'm doing that as well. I went to a local craft cafe and I tried something. Again, I'm not, I'm not like the most sort of arty person, but they were very welcoming. And I thought, why not? So I tried weaving. I wasn't very good at weaving. The person sitting next to me had to tell me several times what to do, but for some reason, my brain didn't get it. But it was still a positive experience to try something new. I'm waiting to hear about some cookery sessions locally. And I think before I was thinking, well, things I can do, writing, not much more. Things I can't do, everything else. But now I'm thinking, at least I'm going to give it a go. If it's not perfect, it doesn't matter as long as I enjoy it. Um, and also the difference is before I was thinking, well, I can't do these things because I have to be at home with the children because these things tend to happen on the evening or weekend or tend to happen for me on the evening or weekend when I'm, when I'm not working. But now I try to have a balance. So I'm encouraging my husband to kind of find 
you know, what he's into, walking and other activities. He went on a holiday as well. So I said, well, instead of having a holiday, I want to take my day separately. So some days I go to have dinner with friends. I went invited to a friend's wedding and I had a lovely day where instead of looking after other people, other people look after me for the whole day. And I try to put all my other sort of concerns about normal life into a box for those hours. I mean, certainly when I was running, because I had to concentrate so much in breathing, keep going, you know, there's a curve there, lift your feet, that kind of thing. I wasn't able to think about other troubles when I was walking. I can think, but it doesn't matter. It's quite nice to be on your own company. Using technology, that's another thing. So my my best friend lives in Spain and we discovered that she has a baby. So it's like, okay, we can't really sort of schedule calls. And before we used to send messages, but we discovered we can use um, voice notes. So we send each other voice messages every day, sometimes 10 messages a day. But there's, there's something really immediate and important about contact with other people who who get it and get your circumstances. So um, that's, um, I think, what makes me feel good. And in all the days, things won't go according to plan. Um, and then try and remember that I say that a lot, tomorrow's another day. So if it doesn't work, you know, tomorrow maybe she'll have a better day or if not next week, try to take it one day at a time. But but super important to make that investment in ourselves, you know, doing something that we like or or thinking about us as important people. Like, I don't know, suddenly it's like, okay, I mean, bad example because I haven't got it on today, but usually, you know, put on a bit of makeup or um, make time to have a hot drink or buy a conditioner for your hair. So it's a bit more... Things that that you would do for your friend if if your friend was living your situation, so you got to sort of treat yourself as an important person because you should be the most important person in your life. Oh, Eva, there's some like amazing tips in there, and I think that's a really good point about you know treat yourself how you would treat a friend if they were in your situation because sometimes we find it really difficult you know to be kind to ourselves when when we're going through difficult um situations and I love the fact that you've done some things like that are just tiny snippets you know like you say you know just putting makeup on in in the morning and spending a bit of time doing that or you know putting a hair treatment on which can be done very quickly or you know going for a walk and then doing the couch to 5k you know which you can do from your doorstep can't you so it's it's just when you've got time you can do that to other stuff that's that's organized and it sounds like you know you had to really push yourself out of your comfort zone to go and do those things and I think sometimes people will really be able to identify with well I might not be very good at that but who cares it's about going and um and trying it isn't it and taking that time for yourself and I guess what it sounds like what you found is like nobody's judging you everybody's just really happy that you're there and giving it a go yeah, exactly. Nobody's judging us. Sometimes we are the ones judging ourselves or we are the ones kind of um, 
putting those barriers. I mean, obviously, I can't go running because I got my husband at home, but you know, if he was away, maybe I could ask the neighbor or maybe I could go for a walk or a run while the children are at school at lunchtime or try and sort of fit it in some other way. Because sometimes I think we think something can happen for a reason, but we are like creating that reason or, or taking a reason out of context and making it bigger. And it's not unsurmountable, but it is in our minds. And that's what sort of building that obstacle, that obstacle along the way. And obviously, you know, it, it's helped your well-being. But how how has this, um, you know, changed things for your family? Have you seen improvements for everyone? Um, well, there, there's been improvements for... I think, the, I think I mean, it's, the holiday was very beneficial for my husband. He really enjoyed it. It was something that he had wanted to do. And again, I think if it had been five years ago, I would have said, you can't really do this because I need you to be here with the children because how will I cope? Whereas now I was able to say, okay, let's look at the calendar. You know, these are the better dates, et cetera. And it's made him feel that his whole life wasn't kind of, taken over by this, that he could still do something that he had wanted for many years and that was special for him. So that was very good. And it's also been beneficial for my son because he can do more things with friends and just have a more normal, again, I mean, his childhood is normal for him. That's the thing. Because I think before we had my son recently, um, sorry, before we had my son um, some people were kind of expressing a concern, you know, you have another child, how will their life be? Would that be fair on them? And and that was very hard and quite unfair. And actually, he's, he's very, very happy. He loves his sister very much. Um, it doesn't come easy because we got to do adaptations for both of them. But the fact that my son can go out and do more activities is very helpful for him. And I think what we've done now is like learn that we have to do some more things separately. There are mm -hmm. things that we can do together, the four of us, but there are things that we have to do. Obviously the things I want to do on my own, the things my husband wants to do on his own and the things for my son, then one of us takes him to do the activity or to have the play date or if the play date is at home, one of us takes my daughter out to the house etc we can't otherwise it's like it's like buying a shoe on the wrong size and you're like desperately trying to fit it and it's not it's going to hurt because you're going to go to do something that is not suitable for my daughter and then you're actually going to spend a very small amount of time which is going to be frustrating for everyone and that time will be mostly spent trying to manage her anxiety her behaviors etc or you have someone at home she will be completely overwhelmed, etc. I mean, last week it was my son's birthday party. Um, we are supported by an amazing um, charity called FlexiCare, and they come and do babysitting twice a month for the children. And that was one of the sessions. I mean, normally that time will be my husband and I going out for lunch, etc. But that was one of the sessions they did to take my daughter out to a local farm um, so my son could have his birthday party at home because this year he was old enough that he was excited about having a party 
and that was the only way to have the party. My daughter doesn't benefit from the noise, etc. But she did benefit from leftover pizza for that, <laughs> for that night. So it wasn't, and she had a great time in the farm, oh. much better than if she had been at home in yeah. another room with like eight children running around. Yeah, I spoke. To, I spoke to another family carer who was saying a very similar thing. It's like she she was saying I had to sort of let go of my idea of what the perfect day out might be or the perfect family birthday and think about actually how can we make it perfect for us and that might be doing it differently to how other people do it like you said you know your daughter going out having a great day at the farm so that your son could have his birthday party that obviously you know met a lot meant a lot um to him but also you know your daughter after her great day she got to enjoy the pizza afterwards and and that's that's keeping everybody happy and and it's sort of like that kind of like you do you you do what works for that's your it. family i mean i'm not going to lie this is still we're still sort of getting used to that so this is still a little bit of sadness there because mm. you think well you know it would have been nice if she could have been there for the party like other some of the other children came with the siblings but this is a situation we are in and this sort of gives us the best you know, we are the adults, we can manage those emotions, this gives us the best result for for the children. So, um, and it's, it's that, it's like adapting to work for our family. So for example, we, if the four of us go together, we have to avoid really busy places. If we go to a restaurant, which is one of the things that my daughter likes because you get food, so then not to like. <laughs> it has to be one where the food is kind of served quite quickly, and yeah. preferably not in a very busy place. So, you know, we don't go to ticketed events because you don't know how long you're going to last, etc. So you just know within the realm of what's possible, and you sort of choose, choose from that. With with my son is is different, but they're both they're both great. They got you know they got their days like all children do. But um, mm. and my son, he just he just doesn't know any different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Eva, it's it's really really nice to hear all of this, and I you know I appreciate that. Like like you said, sometimes it's not just easy to say oh we'll do it differently then and there is a little bit of sadness but it sounds like you know you're sort of dealing with that and and sort of coming to terms with it and seeing the benefits for for your children um and you know I I think that's really something that other people might hear you doing and and maybe start start thinking about for themselves as well it's an everyday journey I mean Mm. I, I think even when my daughter is an adult, because, you know, the outcome will be different. Our hopes for her is that when she's a young adult, she can go into a supported living and just be happy and maybe, you know, do a kind of project where she's with plants or feeding animals or something outside, which is what she likes doing. But she will need a great deal of support. But she's still, you know, as wonderful and member of society as anyone else, even though I have to say, you know, during the years you realize, yeah, how the system works, how ableist society is, and all we can do is support, you know, be strong, support one another, look after ourselves. Um, 
something that I wanted to say is I know certainly Keres Oxfordshire does, and I would imagine other kind of um, equivalent throughout throughout the country is where you can ask for a Keres assessment and get yes. some money. Mm -hmm. So that's um, that's very important because then that money is for you to look after you. So I'm in the process. I mean, I did that. So I'm in the process of spending my funds, you know, getting some new yeah. clothes, going out for a meal. I'm thinking of joining a mosaic class as well. Mm -hmm. So yes, but you can use the money, you know, in whichever way that supports your well-being, that is agreed with the person. The process is quite smooth. You have a chat, you fill in a form. Um, so that's a very good thing. And the other thing that I wanted to say is how important to get respite. So I know mm. families like ours are not very different to ours and they don't get respite and they don't even have a social worker. Mm -hmm. For us, it was very, very difficult getting a social worker. We only kind of managed uh, around the time just before my son was born. And that I remember spending my pregnancy going to meetings where essentially uh, they were trying to put me off from that point and mm -hmm. and i was like no we need we need this um and once you get your social worker and your support package to know that you have the right to regular reassessments so mm -hmm. of your child's needs so mm -hmm. if your child's needs have changed over time and become more severe you need to get back in contact with your social worker so they can check again how many hours of support you have, how many um, overnights a month you have, if applicable, and you have to go through more meetings and more paperwork. And that's, it's a pain because you already say, you know, I'm stretched and basically to get support, you're going to get even more stretched, but you have to engage with the system to kind of, to have a chance to get that extra support. Yeah. So it needs to be done. So I just wanted to let people know because I myself didn't know that you had the right to get um, regular reassessments. Yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely amazing advice about the carers assessments and also about, um, you know, respite. Respite isn't easy to get, as you found. There can be a lot of meetings, a lot of paperwork, but the outcome can be um you know really beneficial so thank you for raising that issue the last question i wanted to ask you um and some people have found this difficult but um i think it's a really important one to ask is what are you most proud of in terms of yourself and your family oh uh yeah it is it is difficult i mean i suppose that uh, we are persevering, trying to make trying to make life as good as possible for the people in our in our family. Trying to sort of adapt to circumstances that are not easy and are changing all the time. I think for most people, you know, life can be difficult anyway because it doesn't come with with any instructions. But we got like that extra that extra layer. And it was only when we got to the COVID era, I think, that I realized because I thought, I, I look around me and I saw that a lot of people were struggling. And the ones that I saw were struggling the most were people that I knew who were young people because they hadn't had the experience of things, massive things, important things going wrong in the most. And I thought 
we're going to be okay because we've already gone through this because, you know, it wasn't supposed, at the time of the diagnosis, I found it the first year afterwards very, very difficult. And then it, it sort of became more normal. Um, but I thought, I thought, yeah, it's just, it's just very hard, but we haven't fallen to pieces. We are not going to fall to pieces. We're just going to carry on. Uh, but key to that is looking after ourselves. And that's something that I hadn't realized until I kind of run myself to the ground. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Eva. And that's what I'm hoping that, that other people will realize because, you know, carers burnout is real and other people will realize before they get to that point, ideally as soon as possible. And it doesn't make you selfish or horrible or, you know, a worse person in, in any way. It's just going to help you be stronger yeah. in the long term. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that is something to be proud of, you know, that you're looking after yourself so that you can look after your, your family. Thank you so much, yeah, Eva. And, yeah, totally. I, I would encourage others to, to do that. Thank you for your time. Yeah, really nice to speak to you. I could speak to you for ages. Um, and good luck with your open mic night and with your new crafting adventures and, you know, with your um, with your running when you get back to it. Um, I hope that you continue to take time to um, look after yourself. Um, and it's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> take care. That was a great chat with Eva. Some food for thought when taking time for yourself. Actually give yourself permission to take a break. You deserve it. Treat yourself as you would treat a friend. And try new things, even if you think you'll be rubbish at them. It's the taking part and getting a break that counts. Here are some other top tips sent in to the CBF's Family Carer email network. Link wherever you found this podcast if you want to join that. Just deep breaths and mindfulness helps me. It's okay to be stressed, but make sure you take time to just give yourself credit for doing the best you can. When my daughter is in bed, I can relax or just keep checking in with myself. I gave myself permission to take two days of annual leave and have these as well-being days myself. While my children were at school doing things I wanted, window shopping, museum, walks, lunch out with friends. Me and my husband used to take turns to sit in the car just to have 10 minutes off. Join Facebook groups to connect with other families in the same situation to you. It's a great way to share information, ask questions, get support or just feel less on your own. It's also a great way to find people close by who you can meet up with or form a support group. Unfortunately, that's all for this episode, but please join us next time when I'll be talking to Maria and her experiences of the all-important carers assessment process, and I'll be going into a little bit more of detail about what they mean and how to get one. But for now, I'll just tease you with a little bit of this. I was really surprised that they did actually let, let me have that, like you say, because it is out of the box, but I, it made me feel so much better just be able to have a new carpet. <laughs> But I mean, since then, I've had lots of different, um, I've ha I have had a, managed to have a little breakaway. And of course, some of this. What am I most proud of? Um, I think the most thing I'm proud of with myself is that I've done this on my own uh, as a single parent.
throughout the years I've done this and I've raised my son on my own for, for about 15 years now. And it's been so tough, so hard. But the good thing is I, I feel quite proud of myself. I'm not going to lie. I'm proud of myself when I look at him. I'm Gemma. This has been Challenge Accepted. See you next time. Thank you to everyone who featured in this episode, especially the families whose experiences have fed into the series, and to the Collier Ferguson Charitable Trust for supporting us in making this series, and to James Hoodless for producing the podcast. The Challenging Behaviour Foundation is a UK charity focused on the needs of children, young people and adults with severe learning disabilities whose behaviours may challenge and their families. Please visit www.challengingbehaviour.org.uk to find out more.